Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you this morning. I'm so grateful that we get to be here on this first official Sunday of fall. And uh, so we're going to have just an amazing morning together. Can we just give our worship team a big hand just for leading us in worship? I don't know if you knew James could play the drums as well as the guitar, as well as the keyboard, as well as whatever else you play, James. You play everything. So uh, thank you guys so much. And uh, so we're in the middle of this conversation called 40 Days in the Word. So we're spending 40 days just kind of diving into uh, what the word means to us, how it can change our lives. And uh, so the first week we talked about how we know the word is true. And so if you struggle with knowing whether the Bible is true or not, I would encourage you, invite you to go back and watch that week because it helps us. We give you four or five things, uh, really solid reasons for why the Bible is true and how, why you can rely on the Bible and the words that are found in that book. Uh, the next week, uh, did Brian Akers not do a great job last week? Let's give him a hand too. And uh, I know he's like cringing right now because I mentioned his name. But um, man, he did such an amazing job last week helping us unpack the idea that the Bible changes lives. Like God's word changes people's lives. And he showed that video by Christian Hasoy and his story about how the Bible changed his life and how he gave his life to the Lord simply by opening up God's word and discovering the, the promises in God's word. And so today we're going to dive in again and we're going to look at um, how the Bible, uh, how the Holy Spirit partners with the Bible to help us to understand what the word says. And we've got a ton of ground to cover this morning, so I just want to jump right in. And, uh, and growing up, you probably heard it, because I heard it all the time, that, that you should always read in a well-lit room, right? Like, I, to this day, uh, when I see, like, Jackson sitting in, 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 a, in, a, in a dimly lit room, I'll flip on the light. Because our parents always told us, you're, you need to read in a well-lit room so that you can, so you can read everything and see it, because everything becomes, clear, becomes more clear. And so brightness increases clarity, and that's why... Like if you want the perfect selfie, right? And some of you are like selfie fiends. You like to get your picture taken. And uh, if you want the perfect selfie, you don't, you don't want a bright light uh, on you because it's going to show every perfection or every imperfection. Uh, it's going to show every blemish, every wart, every pimple, every wrinkle. Every, it'll show everything. Now we have filters for that today. But if you're going to use an unfiltered picture, you want it to be a soft light, right? Like you don't want it to be a bright light because bright light exposes everything. You want it to be be a soft light because because uh, it covers uh, because um, everyone looks good in the dark, right? <laughs> so uh, so you want it to be a soft light. And the truth is this: the truth is the more light you have, the clearer things are. That the more light you have, the clearer things are. I was working on my truck this weekend. I got under it and I was like, man, I can't see what I'm doing. So what did I do? I went and grabbed a shop light and I stuck it under there and I could see and everything became uh, more clear because that's what light does. It brings everything. It brings clarity to everything. And so this is so true, so true when it comes to the word of God. And, uh, and the more light you have, uh, the, more, the more light you have, the more illuminated your mind is. And the more you will get out of God's word. And that's huge. The more light that you have, the more illuminated your mind is, the more you understand, and the more you get out of God's word. And so I'm not telling you to open up God's word and make sure you have this big, huge light on the Bible and you're going to see clearly. We're talking about something a little bit more than that. Uh, and it's not about just reading the Bible and checking off a box, right? Like we've been talking about that for weeks that you don't just read the Bible to check off a box. You don't just read the Bible to say, well, you know, Pastor 
Rick's not supposed to read the Bible, so I'll get up, I'll get up a little early, and I'll read the Bible. Don't get anything out of it, but I'll check off the box. That's not what reading the Bible or God's Word is all about. It's about this word called illumination. Everybody say that with me, illumination. And so, so what is that? Like, what is illumination? It's a big word, and, and what does it mean? Illumination means letting the Holy Spirit show me and show you the meaning of God's word and how it applies to my life. Like that's what the Holy Spirit does is it illuminates our mind. It helps us to understand. The Holy Spirit shows us the meaning behind the words that we're reading in the Bible. In Acts 1.8, Jesus uh, is preparing to uh, join the Father in heaven again, rejoin the Father to leave this earth. And before he does, he promises, he makes a promise. He tells the disciples that he is going to send his Holy Spirit to live in them and with them. And that promises for us, too, that when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit uh, is activated in our lives and takes up residence in us. And one of the jobs, one of the most important jobs of the Holy Spirit is illumination. Like if you were to read the Holy Spirit's job description, one of the things that you would find, one of the bullet points under that would be illumination or to help you, help you to see things that you would not otherwise see. And the Bible even has plenty to say about the role of the Holy Spirit. Like in the Bible, we see in John chapter 14, verse 26, we see these words. It says, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus speaking, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So what does Jesus tell the disciples? He says, hey, this Holy Spirit that I've promised that is going to come in my absence uh, is going to teach you and remind you of all those important things that I have already shared with you. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. He goes on in a few chapters later in John chapter 16, uh, verse 13, and he says this, but when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who leads you to understand the truth that is found in the Bible. That it is impossible to understand everything in the word of God without the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Then Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, he makes this point very clear. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You see, church, the Holy Spirit will make you wise. The Holy Spirit will let you understand what it means to know God through his holy scriptures. This is the power of revelation. This is illumination. This is what it means. And as we sit down, as you and I, as we open up the word of God, maybe in the morning, maybe in the evenings, maybe at lunch, whenever you read the word of God, when we sit down to read this book, we should say something like this. We should say, God, I'm about to open up your word. And so would the Holy Spirit illuminate me as I read? Would you show me, would you show me what this means as I read it and how it can make a difference in my life? 
Would you tell me how I'm supposed to use this scripture that I'm about to read today in my life today? Would you reveal to me your truth? You see, when we do this, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come and to uh, open up our eyes to see what God wants to show us in his word, when we invite the Holy Spirit to lead us in our reading, it helps us to understand just exactly what it is that we are reading. And so I invite you, the next time you read the Bible, uh, the next time you open it up, that just, just pray. Just pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reveal to me what it is that you want me to understand from your reading today? And would you help me to apply it to my life? Because here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes. And what happens when the Holy Spirit opens our spiritual eyes? Well, I want to share with you some things this morning, four things that the Holy Spirit does as he opens up our eyes as we read the Bible. And, and so four things from the Bible that will help us to see what happens when the Holy Spirit illuminates our lives. And the first thing that happens when we're reading the God, God's word and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds is that we see the solution to our problems. That when you invite the Holy Spirit to come in as you are reading God's word, the Holy Spirit will help you to see the solutions to your problems. In Genesis chapter 21, we find a story of Sarah and, and Abraham. And then we see this other person named Hagar and, and, her son, and their sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And you probably know the story. You may remember the story from Sunday school once upon a time, or maybe you don't, but here's the, the way it goes, is that God promised Abraham. He promised him that he would be the father of, of a great nation, and he also promised that he would give him a son to be the heir of that great nation that he was going to create. Now, you got to understand that Abraham's 90 years old. He's 90 years old, and he still doesn't have a son. And so his wife, Sarah, takes matters into her own hands. And she suggests to Abraham that he take her handmaiden, Hagar, to be a surrogate mother because it's just not happening for them. And so Hagar gets pregnant with Abraham's uh, child, and he has a child named Ishmael. And Abraham holds up Ishmael before God in and, and, and this wonderful moment, and he holds him up before God, and, and God sa and says to God, God, you have given me the promised boy, Ishmael. Here he is. And God's like, uh, no, that's not my promise. That wasn't my plan. That was your wife's plan. That was Sarah's plan. That wasn't my plan. I love Ishmael. I love him, but he's not the promised miracle boy that I told you about. And later, by a miracle, Sarah actually gets pregnant and has a little boy with Abraham, and his name is Isaac, who becomes the father of the Jewish nation. And in the meantime, though, Sarah, if you remember the story, Sarah, Abraham's wife, begins to get a little jealous of Ishmael. And she starts to think that Ishmael is probably going to be the one that gets the inheritance. Like, that's the firstborn. That's Abraham's firstborn. He's going to get the inheritance. And so what does Sarah do? But she sends Hagar and her young baby packing into the desert. She's like, you're out of here. You're out of, you're excommunicated. You're kicked out of the camp. You're not allowed back. Here's your bags, get going. And while in the desert, 
Hagar is, uh, fears that they're going to die. Like they don't have any water and God uh, and her little boy Ishmael is crying and he's thirsty and he's hungry. And then the Bible says that God hears him crying. God hears the boy crying and tells uh, Hagar not to be afraid. And then check out what Genesis chapter 21 verse 19 says next. It says, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and she filled the skin with water and she gave the boy a drink. And, and, and as later on the story goes, Ishmael lives and he lives to become the father of the Arabs. And, and here's the point. Hagar had a solution right in front of her. She had a solution right in front of her, a well of water, but she couldn't see it. She couldn't see it until God opened her eyes. She couldn't see it until God illuminated her mind and help her, helped her to see things from a different perspective. And I don't know maybe what problems you're going through. Like, I don't know what struggles you're facing right now, but we've, we've all got stuff, right? Like, we've all got stuff that we're dealing with. And, and quite frankly, we often find ourselves saying, I don't see any way out of this. Like, I don't, I'm backed into a corner. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to find a solution to this problem. It's just too big. And in those moments, we need to have our minds illuminated. We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that we can see God's solution in God's word. And so often, we, we can't find the solution on our own. But the Holy Spirit helps us to see God's solution to our problems as we faithfully read God's word. Because as we read God's word, the Holy Spirit illuminates his word in us and we see the solutions to our problems. The second benefit of having our eyes spiritually open is this, that I see the barrier to my progress. I see the barriers to my progress. Not only do I see the solution to my problems, not only do I find the solutions to my problems in the Bible, but I also see the barriers to my progress. You see, you have some things that you want to do in your life. I have some things that I want to accomplish in my life. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you're thinking about starting a family. Maybe your goal is to get out of debt or, or some other dream or goals, and you're trying. Like you're trying really hard to make progress, but you just keep bumping up against an invisible wall. You just keep bumping up against something that's keeping you and you're frustrated and you need your eyes opened. There's another story in the Old Testament about a guy named Balaam and, uh, and he had a donkey and he's a great example of this. Balaam was a prophet of God, but he decided to hang out with some not so good guys. And, and this didn't sit well with God. And in the story, God's like, wait a minute, Balaam, you're supposed to be my man. You're supposed to be my prophet doing my work, and, and you're going to go and help these guys that I don't approve of. And so Balaam starts down the road, and, and here's what God does is God puts an angel. God puts an angel in his pathway and, 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 and blocks his progress. And he doesn't just do it once. He doesn't just do it twice, but he does it three times. And the problem is, is that Balaam can't see the angel that's right in front of him. So he doesn't know what go, what's going on, but the funny thing is, is that Balaam's donkey sees it. 
Like God uses a donkey to get Balaam's attention. And, and so, so Balaam's donkey sees it. And the first time that Balaam's donkey sees the angel, uh, he runs into the field and then he gets beaten for doing it. And then the second time the donkey sees the angel, uh, he runs Balaam into a wall, crushing his foot. And again, he gets beaten for doing it. And then the third time the donkey sees the angel, he just lays down. He just like, plop, lays down in the middle of the road. And, 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 uh, and the Bible says that Balaam just loses his cool and beats the donkey again. And then we pick up in Numbers 22, verse 31, it says, then the Lord, guess what? Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. And so he bowed low and he fell face down. Like the donkey was trying to help him out, but he didn't get it until the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And then he saw what he needed to see. It's a weird story, but here's the point. You have plans in your life and maybe they're not working out and and you try to go this way and you get blocked and you try and go that way and you get blocked and you're getting frustrated, right? And you're getting mad at everybody because you can't see what the real problem is. And maybe God, maybe God is the barrier and maybe he's trying to protect you and keep you from doing something that you could, that could, could potentially blow up in your face. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate and we're reading his word, oftentimes we can see the barriers, the things that are keeping us from our progress, the things that are keeping us from accomplishing the things that we hope for and dream of, our goals and our aspirations in life. So the Holy Spirit helps us to see the barriers in our progress. The Holy Spirit helps us to see the solutions to our problems. And also the Holy Spirit helps us to see the defense for what's attacking us. It helps us to see the defense for what's attacking us. Now, what does that mean? It means I can see how God is going to defend me when I'm being attacked. And we've all felt under attack at one point or another, right? Like we have felt there. I was just talking to another pastor this week, and, and we were talking and sharing a, uh, about, um, about ministry. And I asked, I said, hey, how can I pray for you? And he said, hey, you know what? You could just be praying for me and my wife because we're good. Like we're in a good spot and we're, we're probably stronger than we've ever been. But we are feeling the attacks of Satan every which way. Like we are feeling Satan attack us every direction. And so, so you might feel that. Like you might feel under attack. Maybe, maybe it's your health or maybe it's your finances or maybe it's your relationships or, or maybe even your own family, you're feeling attacked from them. Maybe you feel like your own mind and fears are beating you up and you're feeling all alone and you don't know. Like you don't know what God is gonna do about it. And in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, there's another story of Elijah and Elijah and the, and the Arameans. And, and the Arameans were always at war with Israel. Like they were just bullies and they're always at war with Israel. And each time they attacked Israel, God would tell his prophet Elijah what the king Aram's plans were. And Elijah would then warn the king of Israel. So like, like the, the Israel had an inside guy. And God would use Elijah to tell the king of Israel, hey, this is what they're about to do. This is what uh, Aram's plans are. And so you need to be prepared for that. And, and the Arameans, Arameans could never seem to win a battle. 
And they were frustrated. And then they figured it out. Like they figured out why. And they figured out that it was because of Elijah. And so what do they do? They said, you know what? We're just going to cut the snake off at the head. And we're going to hunt down Elijah. And so that's what they do. They hunt down Elijah and they trap him and his servant Gehazi in a place called Dothan. And, uh, and so they've got them cornered in a place called Dothan. And Elijah's like not worried. But his, but his, uh, but, but his, his, his um, servant Gehazi is freaking out. I mean, he is just freaking out. Uh, and, and so here's what Elijah does. Elijah says, hey, you don't need to worry. Like, don't worry because, because there are more on our side than there are on theirs. And Gehazi's like, what you talking about, Willis? Right? Like, he's like, do you see the army? You have to be in the 80s to know that. Sorry. Do you see the army that's in front of us? It's me and you against all these, these people. They're hunting us down. How can I not be freaking out? How, why aren't you freaking out, Elijah? And so Gehazi really thinks that Elijah has lost his mind. They are surrounded by thousands of thousands of soldiers, and there's just the two of them. And then verse 17, though, says this, and I love this moment. Like Elijah, we talked about him a few weeks ago, but he is so amazing. And, and, and so here's what Elijah prays. It says in verse 17, and Elijah prayed, check it out, open his eyes, Lord. Are you catching a theme here? Open his eyes, Lord, so that they may see. And then it says, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Like Ozzy's like, oh, now I know why you're not freaking out because the Lord's army was all around them protecting them. Elijah and his servants were surrounded by God's army of angels. But Gehazi couldn't see it. But as soon as he did, as soon as Elijah said, open his eyes, Lord, and he saw the army, he was no longer afraid. And here's the big point. We've got things that are attacking us on a regular basis. And, and we're going to panic. And at times we're going to feel overwhelmed. Yet there are so many resources on our side. And when we begin to see from God's vantage point, like when we sit down and we begin to read the Bible and we say, God, you know what? I'm feeling under attack today. I'm about to read your word. I need your Holy Spirit to illuminate in me something to show me that you're with me and that, that you're going to protect me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. As we see our issues, we see our struggles, we see our attack from God's vantage point. And then we, under, we understand that God always has our back. And then the fourth benefit to God's illumination, to God using the Holy Spirit to illuminate his word in us, is that I can always see how God is walking with me. I can always see that God is walking with me. When God opens my eyes, I see how God has been with me every step of the way. That he's been with me all along. I just didn't see him there, but he was there the entire time. If you're, if you're anything like me, there have been times in your life, and I can name times in my life where when I felt like God had abandoned me, and I know I'm not the only one. I know that there are times in your life when you felt like God had abandoned you or walked away, and let me just lay down some truth for you today, and it's truth that I needed to hear, it's truth that you need to hear, and it's this, that that's never true, that God never, ever abandons you. 
And let me just say that one more time. God never, ever abandons you. And we just, we just, we just can't see it until our eyes and our mind are illuminated. It happened to the disciples in Luke chapter 24. A familiar story on that first Easter Sunday, right? Like Christ had been arrested. He had been beaten. He had been tortured. He had been crucified. He died on the cross and, and, and was buried. And he's buried in a tomb. And all the disciples in that moment were crushed because they thought he was Messiah. They thought he was going to come and he was going to change their world forever. And now he's dead and they're crushed. And they're thinking, are we next? Like they're in hiding. They're hiding behind locked doors and, 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 and they're afraid. But then some of them go to the tomb and they find that it's empty. And as they find that the tomb is empty, rumors begin to spread that Jesus had risen from the dead and that he's no longer there. And then over the next 40 days, Jesus appears in person to over 500 people. And one of those occasions is written in, in the story and, and Jesus uh, is walking down the road. He joins these two disciples as they're walking uh, along the road and have conversation. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing good. What y'all talking about? And they're like, oh, you won't believe what happened. Uh, we were following this guy named Jesus. Haven't you heard about it? Like he was crucified. He's dead. Uh, and now they're saying he's risen. And Jesus is like, well, why are you guys so sad? And they tell him about the, the whole thing. They tell him the whole story. And then as they near a place called Emmaus, they ask Jesus, they say, uh, who they still didn't recognize, they're like, man, you're kind of fun to have conversation with. You want to hang out with us tonight and stay with us? And then verse 31 says this. It says, then their eyes were what? Opened. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. You see, they were with Jesus the whole time. They were with him the whole time, and they didn't even know it until their eyes were opened. And that's illumination, y'all, is when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes so that we can see our problems. When he opens our eyes so that uh, we, can, we can see the barriers, so that we can know that he is always, always with us. In their grief, those two guys, they couldn't see. They couldn't see beyond their grief that Jesus was with them the whole time. And so often, we're just like these two guys. Like, we get so caught up in our own circumstances. We get so caught up in our own mess. We get so caught up in our own grief that we miss Jesus. But he's always with us every step of the way, showing us the solution to our problems, revealing the barriers to our progress, and, and exposing just how he's been defending us the whole time. You see, without illumination, you'll just look at his word, and it doesn't make sense. Without the Holy Spirit, you'll just like, hmm, that was great. I have no idea what I just read, but that was cool. I checked that box. But without the Holy Spirit's help, we often don't understand what we're reading. So how do we do that? How do we get this illumination? How do we, how do we uh, ignite or how do we trigger the Holy Spirit to reveal to us as we read his word to give us illumination? Well, the first thing is this, and I would write these 
four things down. The first thing is this, that it starts by saying yes to Jesus. Like, you'll never fully understand what God has to say to you until you say yes to Jesus. This is the starting point, having a personal relationship with Jesus. Without it, really, you're just in the dark. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is activated in our lives and the Holy Spirit begins part of his job, which is illuminating the scripture in us. And the second thing you have to do is you, has to, you have to ask God in faith to open your eyes. You just gotta say, God, would you open my, I'm about to read your word. Like your word is holy. Your word is full of goodness. And I'm about to read it, and so would you open my eyes? And that's exactly what David said in Psalm 119, verse 18. He said, open my eyes so that I might see the wonderful things in your laws, so that I might see the wonderful things that you've written for me. So we gotta invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. Third, you gotta come with a humble attitude. This is huge. Like, you've got to come with a humble attitude. If you approach the word of God with this kind of attitude, like, I've got this all figured out. Like, I understand this. I know what this means. I know Genesis and the difference between Genesis and Revelation. I got Psalms down. Did you hear that last week? Psalms. I got Psalms down. And, 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 and if you think, like, you've got this attitude, like, I've got it all. I don't need God's help. I can read this on my own. Then you're never going to get the fullness out of God's word. We've got to come and approach God's word with humility. Psalms chapter 25 verse 9 says, he guides the humble in what is right and he teaches them his way. If we come before God's word with this attitude like I don't need any help, then we'll never get out of it what God wants for us. So we got to come with a humble attitude. Next, you got you to uh, cleanse your heart of sin. This is a big deal. Cleanse your heart of sin because you see, I can't get my eyes fully open to the spiritual things if my body and my mind are full of sin or full of junk. And so maybe as you approach the word of God, maybe our first step should be to just pause and approach it as holy word. Like approach this book as a holy book and say, God, I'm about to open up your word. I want your Holy Spirit to show me, open my eyes. But before your Holy Spirit can do that, would you forgive me of the sin in my life? so that I can be open to fully understanding everything you have for me. Matthew chapter five, verse eight says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, you can't see God, you can't see the fullness of God if there's sin in your life. You can't see it unless your heart is pure. And notice I didn't say perfect, because none of us are perfect. But when we approach the word of God and we approach it and say, Holy Spirit, enlighten me. But before you do, God, forgive me of my sins. You're not saying you're perfect. You're just saying, I'm not perfect. I got junk in my trunk and I need you to take it so that I can experience everything that you have for me. So pure in heart means you're caught, you're, you're caught up on your confession 
It just means that you're saying, God, I confess to you, I haven't been perfect. I have, I have, I've held unforgiveness. Lord, I spoke to that person yesterday in a way that I should have never spoken to that person. Uh, I did some things, looked at some things, said some things. Would you forgive me so that there's nothing between you and God, nothing but an open, uh, open gate for you to experience all that God has for you? And then finally, after we've done those things, here's the most important thing, and it's the thing that we don't do often enough, is we have to commit in advance to do what the word says. This is a big deal. Uh, James said it this way, don't merely listen to the word of God, but do what it says. And when you sit down to read the word, you gotta say, God, and I just encourage you to say this, God, uh, I'm getting ready to sit down here and I need you to teach me. I need you to teach me what I need to do this week, what I need to do this week with my kids, what I need to do this week with my wife, what I need to do this week with my family or my business. I need you to teach me. I'm telling you in advance that I'm going to do whatever it is that you ask me to do, even, even if it doesn't make any sense at all. Even when I don't understand, I'm gonna do it. Even when I don't agree, I'm going to do it. Even when it's not the popular or easy thing to do, I'm going to do it. Because church, if we're gonna get the most out of the word of God, we've, have, we've gotta commit. We gotta commit on the front end and say, hey, God, I'm about ready to jump in here. I'm about ready to read your word and I'm gonna commit to you in advance that I will do whatever you tell me to do. You want me to go forgive that person? I'm gonna go forgive that person. You want me to go and tell that person I'm sorry? I'm gonna go tell that person I'm sorry. You want me to go and share my story with that person? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because I made a commitment before I began to read your word today that I would do whatever you tell me to do. Psalm 119 puts it this way in verses 33 and 34, and it's on your screen. It says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees. Then I will keep them. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. In other words, God, I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. As I read your word today, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make the commitment, no matter what it makes me feel like, no matter if I understand it or not, no matter whether my cool factor goes down or not, I'm gonna do what you ask me to do. You see, church, as we discover how to love the word, and as we discover to learn the word and to live the word, we must ask God, we gotta ask him to shine a light on what we're reading. It does you no good to simply read it in the dark without the help of the Holy Spirit. So check it out. Do me a favor tomorrow. When you open up the Word of God, before you do anything else, just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to illuminate what it is that you're about to read, to make it clear to make it understandable, to make it uh, full of what God wants for you, and then be willing to do 
what it says. Listen, if you're not willing to do what it says ahead of time, you're wasting your time because God's word will never be fully lived out in you unless you're willing to be obedient to what it calls you to do. So as we wrap up our time together this morning, I just want to invite you to maybe memorize that scripture, Psalm 119, 33 and 34. Like it's an amazing prayer. Maybe that just be your prayer before you open up God's word. Just open it up, read it, pray it. Say, God, I'm about to read your word. I want you to teach me your ways. Show me your ways. Open my eyes so that I might see more clearly your direction for my life. People call the Bible um, God's uh, uh, basic directions before leaving earth. And, uh, and so, so that's what the word of God is. It's our, it's our guidebook. It, it's our trail book. It's, the, it's, it's our navigator. It's our compass. It helps us to navigate through this thing called life. And Jesus never said life was going to be easy. And a matter of fact, he said, hey, life's going to be hard. And matter of fact, it's going to be so hard that you can't do it without me and without my word. You need the word of God in you on a daily basis. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our hearts right now? God, so that we can see more clearly what it is that you desire for our lives. God, there are people here today who are struggling. God, there are people here today who feel like you have walked out on them. There are people here today who, who don't know, they keep banging up against the same wall and they're frustrated. And Lord, my prayer is that you would open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see exactly where you are at work in our lives. Lord, so that we can know that you haven't left us, you haven't abandoned us. You're always right there with us. Lord, often you are protecting us and you are defending us against the world. God, so often you are, um, you are blocking some things from happening because you have a better plan for our lives. And Lord, so we just need your Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see what you're up to. Father, I pray that we would become people of your word. God, that we would no longer just read the Bible to check off a box. But Lord, that as we approach your word, that we would approach it as being holy and that we would pause and we would confess our sins so that we can approach it fully. And we would invite your Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that it's not just a bunch of words on a page, but so that it becomes living and active in our lives. Like Brian shared with us, Lord, last week, your word changes our lives. But Father, we gotta be position ourselves in such a way that we can allow that change to happen. So I pray for my friends here today. I pray that they would position themselves in such a way that your word would become living and active in their lives and it would transform their lives every day, every day. 
Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for sharing you with us through your word. And may we always depend on your word like we depend on air to breathe. In your name we pray.